Today, we're going to talk about writing a book. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Business Made Simple podcast brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. I am your host, Donald Miller. And you say, Dom, why on the Business Made Simple podcast are you talking about writing a book? Well, the reason is if you want to build a business, it's a great idea to write a book. It's not just about business, though. If you want to tell your story, a book will build your personal platform. And today on the podcast, I'm going to talk to you about how to write a book. I think you'd agree with me that AI, it's eating the web as we speak. And pretty much what that means for business leaders like you is that it's time to embrace that AI technology right now. And here's one of the main reasons why. Automation helps us do more with less while continuing to meet and exceed business expectations. It's just incredible. So if you haven't tried HubSpot's new AI features, you should do that right now. Content Assistant and ChatSpot are two brand new tools that will immediately save you and your team time. Plus, these new HubSpot features run on ChatGPT's tech to help you make compelling content and manage your CRM way faster than before. We're talking ad copy, data analytics, workflow automations, all with a chat command. So work smarter, not harder, and head to hubspot.com slash artificial dash intelligence. That's hubspot.com slash artificial dash intelligence to learn more about using AI to streamline your marketing, sales, and customer service ops. All right, in this episode, I'm going to give you an overview of how to write a book. And this is a structure that I have used, and it has taken literally months off the writing process. When I first started writing books, it would take me about two years. I think it took me about two years to write uh, Blue Like Jazz, probably three years to write Searching for God Knows What. And these days, it takes me about eight months to write a book. But even that eight months is on limited time. I mean, two to three hours in the morning, most mornings, as compared to in the Blue Like Jazz days, uh, all day, every day for two years. All day, every day for two years to two hours a day in eight months is the is what I've gotten a book down to. What I want to do on this episode is tell you what I've learned so that if it's the first time you've written a book, you don't have to make all the mistakes that I made in those years and years. It shouldn't have taken me two years to write Blue Like Jazz. It shouldn't have. It should have taken me about a year, uh, but it took me a lot longer. Much of that, I'm just going to be brutally honest with you, in the Blue Like Jazz days, I was in my mid-20s. It was walking around Portland, Oregon because I couldn't afford a car. Uh, I had a motorcycle that was uninsured (laughs) because I didn't have money for the insurance. Dumb, irresponsible me. Uh, But uh, I would just go from coffee to coffee shop looking for the words. And I was looking for some sort of inspiration. I was looking for some sort of feeling. I would listen to music. Uh, I would drink too much caffeine. And then the next day, I wouldn't drink enough caffeine. I tried afternoon beers. That never worked. Uh, You know, whatever it was to try to harness the lightning that was whatever the next paragraph was going to be, that's because I didn't know what I was doing. And these days, I don't do that at all. I, I wake up, I go to a coffee shop, I drink a cup of coffee, and I get two hours worth of work done. And I, and it's almost like instead of looking at a blank page, I'm actually looking at a grid. And I'm typing into the grid this part of it, then 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 this part of it. And the grid is actually incredibly structured, but it works. 
And that makes the process a lot easier. The reason I tell you this is because if you sit down to write a book without the grid or a grid, I'm going to show you a grid. There are a million of them. I'm going to show you a grid. If you have that grid, it's going to take out the number one challenge of you writing your first book, and that is demons from hell. <laughs> demons from hell are your absolute – this is what you're up against when you write a book. You're up against uh, demons from the pit of hell. And the demons from the pit of hell are going to say to you one thing in many different ways. They're going to say to you one thing, and the one thing they're going to say is you don't know what you're doing. Uh, they're going to say, who are you to write a book? They're going to say, you've never done this before. They're going to say, nobody's listening to you. They're going to say, don't you remember when you tried to uh, you know, write a lowercase b in elementary school when the uh, elementary school teacher told you you don't know what you're doing? Every voice of insecurity that you have ever felt in your life is going to manifest the second you sit down and try to write that book. The reason that, it's, that that voice is going to make so much sense to you is because it's actually telling the truth. You don't know what you are doing. Now, you were born not knowing what you are doing. Nobody is born a good writer. Nobody. You show me a 12-year-old savant who writes a great book, and I will show, show you somebody who started thinking about how to write a book when they were six and have spent six years perfecting it. They did not wake up one day and know how to write a book. They spent endless, countless hours thinking about it. And that's where geniuses, that's where people are mistakenly think somebody's a genius. If you have a structure, the structure itself tells you what to think about and it tells you what to do next. And this is, this is the structure that I've figured out. Now, I will say this. If I take this structure and try to over control the book, it ruins it. Um, I'm a dancing partner in every book that I write. Uh, I have to lead the dance, but also there's creativity involved, there's curiosity involved, there's a little bit of, of artistic license involved. The, the framework is where I'm going to take the book, and occasionally the book is going to want to be dipped <laughs> or swung around in a different direction. I am dancing with a book. Ultimately, if you are able to dance with the creative process, what the reader will feel when they finally read your book is that they are dancing and being swept off their feet by somebody who's a hell of a dancer. So if you don't know the steps, you will not be able to impress the reader by dancing with them. And if you try to over-control the reader and where the reader and the creative process feels like it wants to go, you're going to be stepping on uh, that reader's feet and they're not going to have a positive experience. So I'm going to show you form and then you've got to be able to master that form so that you can eventually dance with it. Regardless, the point is we're going to take hours and hours and hours and months and perhaps even years off the process of writing a book for you. All right, let me walk you through it. The first thing that you want to do when you are writing a book is come up with your main plot question or the story question. This is the most important thing in the entire process. You've got to figure this out, and it may take you some time to figure it out. Let's say that you are a gardener and you love teaching people how to plant a kitchen garden, and you need a story question, a main plot question for your entire book. Uh, you have so many directions to use. I mean, you could actually say, my story question is, or my plot question is, how you can eat most of your meals out of your own 
out of the garden you plant in your own backyard. Uh, you could also say uh, the plot question is exploring how a kitchen garden will change your life. The, the world's food sources are under threat. And if you ever, uh, if we ever run out of food at the grocery store, you will always be able to to feed yourself and your family because of a kitchen garden. That is a bit, uh, you know, that particular storyline is, is a bit drastic and dramatic, but I'm just giving you some options. Let's just say that, and, and here's the thing, you've got to choose. You only get one story question that your entire book is about. You can't have five. You get one story question. It's the overarching plot, if you will, of your book. I'm releasing a book called Coach Builder in March. The plot of that book is this. If you are an expert at something, I will teach you to leverage your expertise into a, co a profitable coaching business in this book. That's the plot of the book. If you are an expert at something, I will teach you to leverage your expertise into a profitable coaching business. If I wanted to state it as a question, it would be something like, how can experts leverage their expertise into a, uh, a profitable coaching business? Question mark. That would be the story question of my entire book. Now, once I decide my story question, I have created a filter. I've created rules, rules that I cannot break. And the, the point is this, once you define your story question, every word in the book must serve to answer that question. If I say my story question is, how can you leverage your expertise into a profitable coaching business? Uh, I cannot have a chapter about hygiene, <laughs> right? People are gonna be going, wait a second. Chapter three makes no sense. He's literally talking about like better ways to brush your teeth. Uh, I have to leave everything that doesn't answer the story question out of the book. That is one reason why the story question is so important. You've got to get it right because you've got to be able to answer that question for 100, 200, 300 pages. You've got to be obsessed with the question. There has to be so many angles that you can look at to answer that question. Uh, on and on and on and on. Uh, that is the plot of your book. It is worth spending days, if not weeks, coming up with that one question. It is by far the most important thing you're going to do. Before we jump back into today's conversation, I want to tell you about Success Story. This is a podcast hosted by Scott D. Clary, and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Success Story features Q&A sessions with successful business leaders, keynote presentations, and conversations on sales, marketing, business, startups, and entrepreneurship. Here's an episode you should check out first. It's called Adapting to Life's Twists and Turns with Jack Canfield. Jack is a master of success coaching, and in the episode, he shares real-life wisdom and candid advice that revolve around the three truths that are essential to a fulfilled life. First, you want to clarify what you want. Second, you want to understand the path to get it. And then finally, third, learn how to bask in the joy of achieving it. So go check out Success Story wherever you get your podcasts. And now, back to the show. Step two is to come up with your subplots. The way story works is you have a plot and then you have several subplots. The plot of Born Identity is Jason Bourne wants to know who he really is because he's trying to figure it out. People are trying to kill him. Uh, the subplot would be Jason Bourne is stuck in a hotel room. Bullets are coming through the door. He jumps out the window 
end subplot where he almost got killed in a hotel room, beginning subplot where he lands on a, on a motorcycle and a motorcycle chase ensues. He gets out of that end subplot, motorcycle subplot. He ends up ditching his motorcycle in the woods. There's a farmhouse in the woods and his high school sweetheart happens to be in the farmhouse, open love subplot. The way a story works is you have the overarching plot, Jason Bourne wants to know who he really is, and then a ton of subplots that actually drive narrative traction through the story all the way to where the overall plot is answered. Nonfiction stories work exactly the same way. Let me give you an example. Starting a kitchen garden can change your life for the better. Or how do you start a kitchen garden that you and your family can eat out of? Let's say that's our story question. All right, subplot number one, find a place in your backyard where you want to build your garden. And that subplot may involve finding a place where the sun shines the most in a day, finding a place with good soil, finding a place where deer and animals can't get to your garden. Finding, there may be a bunch of stuff inside of that subplot. The second subplot is how to plot out your garden itself and build it. And there may be all sorts of stuff in there. You're going to use, is it going to be a, a raised garden? Is it going to be a garden put in the ground? Is it going to be whatever? You know, that's the second subplot. Third subplot would be mapping out what food you want to plant per season. Then the fifth subplot may be actually taking each raised garden and deciding where the tomatoes are going to go, where this is going to go. The sixth subplot may be watering and feeding and fertilizing your garden. The seventh subplot may be transitioning that garden from a spring garden to a fall garden. Uh, the eighth subplot may be, you know, how to can the food from your garden so you have it. You see what I'm saying? The plot is all about how to start a kitchen garden, and then each subplot is a portion of the plot, but they all serve to answer the plot. Now you have step one and step two. Step one is what is the main story question? And step two are what are your subplots? Now, your subplots continue to grow. I outlined Coach Builder before I wrote it. And when I went to edit the book, do my final edit, I added two more subplots that ended up being two more chapters into the middle of the book because I realized there's subplots that questions that I haven't answered. So, you know, those subplots are always kind of growing. However, again, the subplots have to serve the plot. So step one is the, the main story question, and step two are defining your subplots. All right, let's drill down into the actual subplot. Now, in each subplot, let me give you a formula to make that chapter interesting. All right, you're going to want to write this down. The very first thing inside of that chapter, which is one of your subplots, is the opening line. What is your opening line? You want a great hook in your opening line. For instance, let's say my subplot is about the fact that I've got to keep animals out of the garden. I want my opening line to be, I couldn't have been more excited about my friends coming over that evening. I had planned an incredible dinner that included tomatoes, cherry tomatoes from my garden. My plan was to cut them into fours, mix them with feta, pour balsamic over them, present them at the table, as food from my garden. In fact, one of the world's most renowned chefs was coming over that evening, and I walked out into the garden, and all of my tomatoes had been eaten by deer. <laughs> That's more than an opening line. It's an opening idea. But you want to find that hook to start each chapter with that is better than, let's talk about deer eating your tomatoes, right? 
you know, part of your job as a writer is not just to share the information. It's actually to be entertaining. However, you don't have to think too hard about it. The main place you want to be entertaining or set a story hook is in the opening line. If your opening line is entertaining, it will make the rest of the chapter feel interesting. And what you want to do in that opening line is make it entertaining, make it interesting. And the best way to do that is to start with a catastrophe. Start with what I call a hero in a hole. And you can literally do that in every chapter. Every chapter starts with a hero in a hole. Let's say the subplot of this chapter is about where to put your garden. You can say, uh, I got a call from a client. They asked me to come over uh, and look at their garden. And when I got there, it was a disaster. Uh, nothing was growing. Anything that did grow had died quickly. Uh, everything was moldy and filled with fungus. What's the problem? They put the, the garden in the wrong part of the yard. If they would have put it seven feet to the east, they would have enough food to feed the neighborhood. You can't put the garden in the wrong place. All right, friends, let's talk about where to put your garden. That's a great hook. So your opening line or your opening thought is the very first thing you've got to figure out. The next thing is the promise. So you've got the opening line, opening hook, opening problem. That's the first thing. The next thing is the promise. And the promise is, I am going to show you where to put your garden so that it produces the most food. It's just a sentence. That's all it is. Uh, I'm going to show you how to create a lead generator that will get you email addresses so that you can build a coaching business and position yourself as an expert in your field. You know, that, that's the promise of the book. That's step two inside of each chapter. Step three is the plan. And this is the bulk of your chapter. This is where all the pages are. The plan is, all right, we want to find a place where the sun shines so you can put your garden there. Then we want to make sure that the soil is really great. And here's how you do it. You go down to the Home Depot, you get a testing kit, and you test the acid in the soil. Uh, if it's bad, here's what you do. You go down and you buy these soils. You know, I have a friend who sells it for this. Whatever. You know, here's what you want to do about worms. It's the plan. It's the plan that fulfills the promise so that the disaster that you open with doesn't happen to you. All right, once you finish the plan, and again, that's the bulk of your chapter. That's, that's the pages and pages and pages. Everything else we're talking about are sentences or paragraphs. The plan is the bulk of your chapter. But if you've set it up with an op a great opening hook and you've set it up with uh, a promise to, that that won't happen to you, people are going to read pages and pages because they want to know the plan so that that doesn't happen to them. Then the next part is the story. And the story is I want you to tell the story of somebody who executed your plan, and it went great. It's a testimonial, but it's a testimonial from you you know, that you can do in your own perspective. And then the final thing you want under every subplot is the assignment. And the assignment is, here's what I want you to do based on the information that I have shared with you. Uh, I want you to go out in your backyard and put a stake in the ground where that garden is going to grow, and then I want you to watch it, keep looking at it over the next week, and see if that pink flag at the top of that stake is in the sun or not. You need to know when the sun sets on that stake. You need to know it, and I want you to write it down. If it sets before 7 o'clock in the summer, you probably don't want to put it there. It needs to set, you know, the sun sets at 8.30, so you need sun on that thing till 8.30. Whatever is, is the assignment, give them something to do based on everything that you've just shared. All right, 
Think about what all you've heard in this podcast. You've got the controlling idea or the story question, right? That's the, that's the question that every word in this book is going to answer. You've divided that story question into subplots, and then I gave you a formula within each subplot to actually write that entire chapter. My friend, you're 200 pages in. If you literally just took everything I told you and put it into grids on a piece of paper and then typed into those grids, you would be writing a book without sitting there looking at a blank cursor asking, what do I say next? Well, you know what to say next. This is the story part after you've given them the plan. You know the next assignment that you have to do. And the final thing that you want to do in the entire book is you want to resolve everything. And you do this in, you can do this sometimes in a paragraph or you can do this sometimes in an entire chapter. It doesn't matter. But what it's doing is it's, it's, it's giving closure to the reader. It's giving closure to the reader. And so there's a way to do that. It's a very simple way. One is in a paragraph or two paragraph, summarize everything that you've just said. You know, when I started this book, I hope I convinced you that creating a kitchen garden is one of the greatest things that you can do for yourself and your family because X, Y, and Z. Now that you've read this book, you understand the steps to do it. You know that you've got to find a good place in the garden. You know you've got to plot out and plan out spring, summer, and fall gardens. You know that you've got to put it in the right place in your backyard. You know, you're summarizing the ideas. Now, here's why you're summarizing it, because they've just spent maybe you know, a week reading your book, or let's be honest, eight months because they're getting to it every fifth day on their bedside table and reading two pages. The value that they've gotten from the book may be lost on them. But if you open up the last chapter or the afterword to the book by summarizing everything that you've taught them, what they are reading in that book is, this person, this book gave me value, 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 value. Holy rats, I can't believe everything that they just taught me. I'm literally a transformed person intellectually because of everything that they taught me. Summarize everything that they just learned. Here's what you got. That's how you want to open that. You want to, you want to open, you don't say it exactly, but you want to say, here's what I gave you. Here's the value that you got. That's how you open the last chapter. Then you actually want to resolve the external, internal, and philosophical conflict. Now, this is an old story structure. If you know anything, if you've read Building a Story Brand, I talk about this. But basically, the challenge of not knowing how to start a kitchen garden is an external challenge. It's a physical challenge. It's an intellectual challenge. I don't know how to grow a kitchen garden. So you want to be able to say, now that you've read this book, you know how to grow a kitchen garden, and you can literally go into your backyard and you can do it today. Congratulations. What you're saying to them is, I have resolved the external challenge. However, that's only one level of challenge. The next level of challenge is internal. Because I do not know how to grow a kitchen garden, it makes me feel uh, insecure about my abilities to garden. It makes me feel like I don't have the identity of a gardener. It makes me feel like I'm not a responsible person. It makes me feel like I personally am bad for the environment by shipping my produce in from South America. There's an internal ramification that you want to highlight. And you want to say, not only do you know how to grow a kitchen garden, but if you do this long enough, you will actually be an expert gardener. I'm amazed as I go around look talking to my clients who I coach, 
how much better some of them are and more knowledgeable that they are than even me, their gardening coach. They have surpassed their mentor, and it won't be long before you surpass their mentor too. That is resolving the internal conflict. The external conflict is growing kitchen garden. The internal conflict is how I feel about myself because I couldn't do it and now I can. And you want to resolve that internal conflict in the reader. Then there's the philosophical conflict, and this is the big meta-narrative. Most people in the world have no idea what goes into making their food. They have a magical, delusional fantasy that food grows in the produce section at Whole Foods. It doesn't. Blood, sweat, tears, the exchange of, of best practices have all gone into making the best bell pepper. And you are now connected to the earth the way God designed you to be. Thanks for reading my book. You have closed three levels of open story loops, external, internal, philosophical. Philosophical is why you ought to be a good gardener. Philosophical is why you ought to leverage your expertise to teach others how to do what you know how to do. You have closed this deep philosophical realm. And what that's going to give your book is this sense of unbelievable, global, eternal import. <laughs> and it's such a beautiful sort of like shot in the arm and boost to their morale and an uplifting of their identity. You've got to resolve your book the right way. And the way I just told you how to do it, summarize the value that they got. Highlight how they now know how to solve the external problem. Identify the fact that they have now resolved their feelings about the external problem. They no longer have to feel that way. And tell them why they are such an important person now because they have this knowledge. And then say, thanks for reading. And your book is done. That's how you do it. And now the question is, are you going to do it? And I hope that you do. The writing life has fulfilled me in some incredible ways. And other than my wife and my daughter, the thing that I'm most grateful for is that I got interested in writing and I pursued it. If you are curious about whether you could write a book, I want you to write a book. I want you to write a book. And if, it's, if you're a thought leader and you want to write a business book or you want to write a book about gardening or all the examples that I've given, uh, I want you to write a book. If you have survived cancer and you want to write your journey through that process so that you can understand it and so that people who are, you know, imagine somebody being diagnosed a month ago and scared to death and picking up your book and you being years ahead and the comfort that you will bring them. Books are beautiful things and they are beautiful things because they are part of you shared with the world. Write your book. All right, friends, if, if this is interesting to you and you say, Don, I, I've got so many questions about that framework. I, I want to know more. I want examples. I'm hosting a two-day how to write a book workshop. You can go to businessmadesimple.com slash write a book. I believe this is a one-time live thing that we're doing. I don't, and I say I believe because I, I don't know if I'm ever going to do it again. But uh, there are two ways that you can do it. One is you can choose our in-person workshop. That's happening on September 7th and 8th. That's happening at Goose Hill which is right behind, it's a building behind my house, and it's capped at 20 people. The other thing that we're doing, and it's a cheaper price point, obviously, is the live stream version. 
That is September 14th and 15th. It is me live, like right here in the studio in Nashville. Uh, if I trip and fall on my shoelaces, you're going to see it because we are live. And I'm going to go through the entire framework. Visually, you're going to get a workbook that has those grids in it so that you can see where those grids are and where you put things. And I'm going to give you a ton of examples. And I'm actually going to outline at least two books right there on the live stream. In the live in-person, you're going to say things like, Don, I'm thinking about calling my book this. And I'm going to say that's a terrible title. I think you should call it this because that's what I do. Uh, take it or leave it. Or you're going to say, what about this as a hook for chapter seven? And I'm going to say, I love that hook. That's fantastic. And everybody in the room is going to agree. So you're going to get a lot of the insecurities worked out in the room if you attend the live version. The, the live stream, we're going to be able to take Q&A, live Q&A. So you may be able to ask a question and I will answer it live from the studio. I just think writing a book is so unbelievably important. It's one, it's one thing that I wish everybody would do because it's life-changing. If you're writing your memoir, it helps you know what your own story is. And if you're writing your thoughts on a subject, it helps you, one, become an expert in that subject, and two, believe that you are an expert in that subject. And walking in a room, wondering if you're an expert in a subject, and walking out knowing you're an expert in the subject means you have healthier, higher self-esteem, and you can probably make a lot more money, and you can have a greater impact in the world. So writing a book is one of the greatest investments of time that you could possibly make. And I hope that everybody listening to my voice decides to do it. Go to businessmadesimple.com slash write a book, and I will see you soon. All right, everybody, that is all for this episode of the Business Made Simple podcast. Thank you as always for listening. We are obsessed about helping you grow your business and in this episode, helping you grow your business and write a book. I'll see you next week.